Um, so after Pastor Sam, we pass the bags, and then we get Pastor Carol. Uh, Pastor Darlin, she has to put her mic on. While she's putting her mic on, God bless you all. Are you all ready for this word? Okay. So my darling wife, to you, Pastor Darlin, everyone say, God bless Pastor Darlin. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm on. Thank you, Pastor Handsome. For those of you who are new in the church, Andrew and I are married, so we are entitled to be saying these things to each other. You can find your special one and say, them, say it to them also. I just want to mention that um, those of you who would like to give a gift to one of our Zanspray children, we have 65 children that we would like to bless with a gift. So we have worked out kind of a package of 200 Rand that will provide them with school equipment, school supplies and various things that they will need in the new year and, and a nice little just Christmas thing that says Jesus loves you. So if you would like to do that, um, you're welcome. We've got a special table. It's not actually at the info table. There's a special table out there. You can go there. Masejo is out there. And you can donate 200 rand to a specific child. We have all their names there. And we are hoping to get each and every one of them a gift. So please go and do that. You can also pay um, the 200 rand through our Yoko um, by credit card. And then we can you know, take that for them and get a gift for them. So please do that. So that everyone in our, in our sphere can enjoy Christmas together. Amen. So thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that your word does amazing things in our hearts. As we learned last week, it recreates us. It makes us new. It, it begins a restoration process and a sanctification process that was initiated by your cross and resurrection. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful to you for your word. And as we open the word today, I'm praying that you would speak to us. Lord God, more than hearing my words, they would hear your words. Lord God, as as Christo said, Lord God, we want, to, we want to be lifted up to your perspective. We want to hear and know what you are saying. Father God, I'm praying that as we, as we continue with the sermon, Lord God, that you would be real to us. Any barriers between us and you would be removed. Holy Spirit, we worship you. Father, we honor you. We lift up your name. We glorify you. Come and speak to your children. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. So I love to get things done. How about you? I mean, ticking boxes for me is just like heaven. I mean, the only reason I go shopping is that I can have a list to tick off. I mean, no other reason. I just absolutely love it. And one time some years ago, we had a very large garden, and um, part of, we were growing a fantastic lawn, but there was one part of the lawn that I had been nurturing for ages. And it was starting to die. And I realized that there was a tree next to it that had grown this new fantastic branch that was now shading that part of the lawn and the grass wasn't growing. So I look, we can fix this. I've, I've seen my husband and our gardener saw branches off. Easy peasy. So I go to the garage, I get out this little curved saw that apparently is called a branch saw. So why wouldn't it work? I would go out to the tree and I start, it was, the branch started quite low. So I, I started sawing it 
And I sawed, and I sawed, and I saw. I put. I mean, I was gymming quite hard at those times, so I had some muscle. I was. I was putting my all into this branch. After a little while, there was no. If I mean, there was a little bit of effect, but I mean, I could still hang on the branch. I could still jump on the branch, and that branch was firm and sure. It was staying right there. So later on, I, I mean, I gave up. And later on, Andrew comes home, and I mention this to him. And he gives me this look. I think it was smug. <laughs> he says it was compassion. For me, it was smug. He goes to the garage and he pulls out our electric chainsaw, <laughs> switches it on. <laughs> goes. I don't know how you make that noise, guys. Would you make the noise for me, please? There you go. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there go, there goes, there goes the chainsaw. He walks to the tree, and then the branch is off. You know, I told him this. Heck, anyone can do that. But it takes real skill to take a little saw and spend two hours getting two centimeters. I mean, only a few people can do that. <laughs> Nonetheless, it taught me the lesson: the person who has the power gets things done. The person who has the power gets things done. And God. Has all the power. Have you noticed that? He's kind of like king of the universe, creator of everything. He holds all the power. He gets things done. Yeah. Prayer allows us to sit in God's hands and become a tool in His hands. And when we pray, we become a power tool in His hands. And now, off come the branches. You know what I'm saying? Without prayer, we that little branch saw. And huge amounts of effort and labor for very little progress. Come on. Come on. So I want to talk today about prayer, so that we can always all feel the joy of getting God things done with the power of His presence flowing through us. Who wants that? Amen. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. So we are going to read a passage of scripture. That you know very well, and it goes like this. It's in Matthew six. Actually, what had happened is、um, we read another account of it in Luke eleven, and the disciples had come to Jesus, and they had said to him, "Teach us to pray." And then he had gone through what we now know as the Lord's prayer, as he taught them to pray. However, the the version in Luke is a little bit shorter, and it leaves out some things. The version in Matthew doesn't have the teach us to pray beforehand, but clearly it's the same account. So they they just recorded different things. Matthew then records the longer version of what we call the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to use that one because we are much more familiar with it. So it goes like this: This then is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some of you learnt this prayer at school. Did you learn this prayer at school? I learnt it at school. I know a friend here who went to a Muslim school. She certainly didn't learn it. But nonetheless, many of you、um, learnt that at school, or you learnt it in Sunday school, and it didn't finish like that. Do you remember? It finished like this: For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You remember that? 
Well, now here's the interesting part. Are you ready, ready for a bit of Bible trivia that you can stun your friends with at your next Christmas party? So interestingly enough is that the oldest manuscripts we have don't have that line in it. So in other words, when it was originally penned by Matthew and Luke, they, they didn't remember Jesus saying that, so they didn't write it. So probably he didn't say it. But then as they were uh, rewriting the Bible over and over and to send it out to as many people as possible, there was a very conscientious scribe somewhere who thought, heck, that prayer doesn't really end. There's no amen. So he said, I'm going to give it one. And he put in, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. And so other versions of Bibles have it in, because some of the manuscripts do, but our most reliable ones don't. So we assume that Jesus didn't say it right in the beginning. However, it's a darn nice thing. I mean, I think the scribe was quite, kind of, quite uh, a godly person. I mean, there's no problem with saying, God, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. I mean, yes, and amen. We don't want to not say that. So I am going to have us all stand. And I want us to say this together. Because this is, this is almost Jesus' pattern of prayer. In other words, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this. And because we all know it most commonly with that ending, I'm going to leave the ending in. Is that okay with everyone? Yes. So let's go. One, two, three. So you can leave this is then how you should pray out. Okay, we're just going to start with our Father. Are you good? Okay, one, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Woo! Well done. You know, when I think about prayer, I've shared this with you before, but there, there is a there is a God reality and then there is an our reality. It's as we, as we learned earlier, the, the perspective from which you sit reveals a certain level of reality. So when we sit in God's presence, we see the world a certain, a certain way. When, we, when we're not with God, the world looks to us another way. And the difference between these realities, I feel like prayer punches a hole in that. And allows God's reality to begin to invade the reality of the world. And it's a powerful tool for getting things done. And what I want to do with you is I want to actually go through the Lord's Prayer and talk about the concepts behind it. Because Jesus didn't really necessarily, necessarily mean you to just repeat that verbatim like some kind of a magic spell or some kind of a... a uh, just like a religious thing that, would, that we just said that and we didn't even need to know what the words meant and then it would be good enough, you could tick the box. Really what he wanted to do was to tell you that these are the principles of prayer. And when you pray like this, your prayers are effective. So let's start with our Father in heaven. Interestingly enough, the Old Testament had no um, illusion or no reference to God as a father. Some, some few slight references, but n no one ever addressed God as father. 
Jesus did an astounding thing when he came, is that he actually addressed God as his father and talked of him as being our father. And so for him to start a prayer like this, our father was revolutionary. You see, the, the Judaism of the time had kind of um, divulged, kind of uh, come down to a legalistic kind of obedience to a set of rules. And in their praying, they just kind of went through scripture like a mantra, so to speak, and were not actually engaging in relationship with God. And, God, and Jesus came to break all that and say, no, God is a father and he is interested in relationship with you. You know, the, the kind of way that the Jews related to God was something like you heading to your workplace or to your college or to your uni, and you sit down with your... your authority figure and you say this to them, what is the minimum I need to do to keep my job or to pass? Tell me the absolute minimum. Then you sit with a piece of paper and you write down the absolute minimum that you need to do. You come in every day at 11 o'clock, you take out your list, you do your three or four things, tick, 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 and head on home. That's kind of the way they were relating to God. And Jesus was coming to say, Guys, no. I'm your father. I want you with me. I want to talk through things. I want us to be together in this journey of building my kingdom on earth. I want you, I want you close by me, understanding my heart and the reasons why. And I want you cooperating with everything I'm doing. I want us to be close. It goes on and it says, our father in heaven. You know, the, Jesus came to obliterate our old views of God, but he also came to obliterate our views and our understanding of heaven. The Jews at that time, like many of us, think of heaven as being something in the sky. But Jesus was very clear about this kingdom of heaven that was coming through him. And he, he revealed to us that heaven is the place of God's presence. Heaven is the place of God's governance. That his death and resurrection would remove the barriers to so that heaven, in fact, could become part of our everyday reality. So when we pray to our Father in heaven, what we are actually saying is, Father, I, I want to be in your realm of governance. I want to be in your presence. I'm calling out to you that it would not just be that I have a father, but that I, that I have the reality of your governance and your presence here with me. Heaven is where God governs. The prayer goes on and it says, Hallowed be your name. This is kind of a, a principle that we see all the way through the Bible. That we are, we are told in Psalm 100 that we can enter his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There's a way in which we we enter his presence as we are thankful and as we praise. We see that lots in the Old Testament. However, I, I want to caution us with something. Is remember I said that, that Jesus' death and resurrection actually destroyed the gap, the wall, the curtain between us and God's presence. So that heaven, in fact, could be all around us. So why do we need praise to get into his presence? Because we have his presence with us. 
Hebrews is very clear that we can go with boldness to his throne of grace. In other words, he's always here. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection did. But here Jesus is very clear that we start this prayer by hallowing his name, that's saying, make it holy. I praise you, I lift you up, I glorify your name, Lord. You see, there's no longer a physical gap between us and God's presence, but most certainly there's a gap in our minds. Our ability to perceive God's presence is hindered by so many things, by the worries and the anxieties of the moment, by our, our fears and insecurities, by our pride, by all kinds of things, by the distractions of the day. And so when we're going into God's presence, when we're praying, what thanksgiving, praise, lifting up his name does for us is it turns our attention to the truth that God is already with us, the truth that God is good. And so what it does is it doesn't change God or move God. What it does is it moves our perspective to a new place. You see, what Jesus is trying to do, he's, say, he's saying you can pray for two, from two places. You can pray from your pain and your sorrow, and by all means, there's nothing wrong with sharing with God your pain and sorrow. But when you want to get things done and move things forward, forward, you must change your perspective from there to where God is. And so even though you're sharing your difficulties, you must allow God, the reality of his truth with you, his power, his goodness, everything that is magnificent about him to change the way you see in the world. And your prayers then come from, I'm seated now with Jesus. I'm seeing his victory. I'm looking at that exam from the perspective that Jesus has already won. He knows all of this. I'm looking at that job interview from the perspective that I'm absolutely loved, that I've already succeeded in life through the, the victory of Christ. I'm looking at the, that relational issue from the perspective of God is with me. His wisdom is available. You're looking at all these things from an entirely different perspective. Hallowed be your name. You see, praise and thanksgiving give us capacity to perceive God and his world because they orientate our minds to what is true. So we're praying from truth, not from error. It goes on and it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is getting things done on steroids. I mean, this, I just love that Jesus said this. Because you know what he's doing? He's giving us permission to make a difference in the world. He's giving us permission to say that your prayers actually change the way things happen. Your prayers alter the world. Because you prayed this morning, or will pray this evening, or prayed, will pray whenever, the world will be different. Every time we pray, the world changes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, God's ultimate goal, I love this. God's ultimate goal is not just to save you. God's ultimate goal is to transform this whole world, 
to look like his kingdom. He cares that there are potholes in your road. It matters to him, and he wants them gone. It matters to him that the robot has been uh, taken out by a drunk driver 10 months ago and hasn't been replaced. It matters that, that our government, that selfish decisions are being made in our government. It really matters to him because this is his world and he wants it done right. It matters to him that there is a, a gap in your relationship with your son or your daughter. It matters to him that you are estranged from your mom or your dad. It, it really matters. He wants those things fixed. He's interested in the redemption of the whole world. He's interested in invading everything with his presence and setting it right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here is the, the amazing thing. How do you know what to pray? This is what you do. You sit with Jesus and you ask him, Lord, if this situation were in heaven, what would it look like? What would my marriage look like in heaven? What would my study life look like in heaven? What would my body look like in heaven? Guys, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> what, what would my health be like in, in heaven? How would my family operate in heaven? You ask him that question and that's what you pray. Nothing less. Nothing less. That's his heart. Will you get everything? I'm not sure. All I know is that's what he wants and that's what I'm going for. Revelation says this. It's proclaiming just a giant victory. Trumpets are blowing. Angels are doing things. And there's this voice that shouts out with victory. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. This is the end of the book, guys. This is how it ends. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what's happened with my clicker. It's not on anymore. Can someone move it over? Thank you. Oh, one back. Heaven comes to earth. This is an important point. Heaven comes to earth every time we yield to Christ's leadership. Heaven Njalo. Heaven comes to earth any time we yield to Christ's leadership. Heaven is the place where God governs. So every time we yield to that government, we yield to his leading, heaven comes there. The next one, give us today our daily bread. Oh my gosh, I love this. this. This means that every day I can pray for what I need. Because you see, you've already sat in God's presence and looked at the future. You've already prayed the future, so now you're sure that your future is good. Now you're taking one, two, three steps back to where you are now and saying, okay, that's the future God wants for me, my family, my country. What do I do now? 
And what do I need now to live so that that is my future? Because you see, your future is the culmination of how you've lived every day until then. We often think of our future as something that God just waves a wand and bam, it is. No, how it happens is that he works in the now and the tomorrow and the day after, slowly molding us day by day until bam, that's our future. So we've prayed for the future. And so now he's saying, okay, take daily. Now, now keep that in your mind, but daily appropriate my grace. Take what I'm giving you. Ask what you need so today you can live well. So today you have the practical things like food and whatever those things are that you need, but you also have grace to make the right decisions. You have the grace to act correctly in response to the people around you. You have the grace to do the things that fill your mind with the right things, like read your Bible and pray. You have the grace to study. You have the grace to to enlarge yourself in the way that you should be. So, because you have an expectation that there is a certain future coming, because you prayed that. You and Jesus saw it together, so you know it's coming. So now you're preparing daily for that revelation that you know is coming, that future that you know is coming. We best, best safeguard our futures by receiving grace to live well today. It carries on, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's beautiful. I mean, I really understand that first part. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. It's just, yes, Lord. I've messed up a hundred times this week. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I understand the second part. Lord, there are people that have harmed me. I forgive them. It's that little word as in the middle that really gets me. It really, it really messes with my mind. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. In other words, it's implying, it's not even implying it, it's just saying it's straight. It's you will only be forgiven to the degree that you forgive others. Heck. I had another word, but I'm not saying that word. That is just, that is just hectic. <laughs> and you know, as if we could like kind of, I don't know, manipulate it to say something else. At the end of this prayer, Jesus stands up and he says this, if you don't forgive your brother, God will not forgive you. If you forgive your brother, God will forgive you. I mean, he's like, I, I don't know how more plainly he can say it. I mean, it is just out there. So now here's the big problem, is theologically, it doesn't fit. Because we know what the Bible says about salvation. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works that any should boast. Ephesians 2. Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, it's very clear that salvation, receiving forgiveness from my sinfulness, is unconditional. But here, it is so darn conditional. Is anybody feeling in a dilemma now? Because you need to feel the dilemma, because when I solve the dilemma for you, 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 you won't feel gratitude unless you felt the pain. <laughs> so you can go and read it. Matthew 18 tells this fantastic story about uh, an employee 
that owes his master a huge amount of money. And he goes into his master and he begs for mercy. And his master says, cool, you're, you're, I wipe out the debt. And then this guy goes to someone who owes him money. And is really mean and demands every little cent. And the master hears about it and he said, heck, I forgave you this enormous debt. And here this guy owes you this little bit and now you're demanding it from him. Sorry for you, you're going to prison until you pay every last cent. Now, he's not talking about hell, just so you know, because, because you can't pay your way out of hell. You can't stay there until you've paid every cent. I mean, it's just, it's forever. So now, what is he talking about? He's talking about in our natural workings, in our everyday workings, our, our bad behavior puts us in debt to God to some degree. We saved. We're going to heaven. God is with us. He loves us. We, we restored in relation to him, but we haven't really been living like it. And so we, we have this debt to his, his grace and his mercy. At the same time, people have hurt us. And, and the sin we have done and the sin they have done has eternal consequences that Jesus has wiped out, but it also has natural consequences. I mean, if you are mean to your husband, he's going to be mean back. I don't know. Does that, does that happen out there? Or is I, am I the only one? Not Andrew. He's just never mean. He's just never mean. Sorry. Darling, I love you. You're fantastic. I have to go home with him afterwards. But, you know, there are natural consequences. If you steal, you're going to jail. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you um, drive fast and recklessly, the likelihood of having an accident is high. So Jesus has wiped out the eternal consequences of your sin. It's absolutely unconditional. But there are some natural consequences to what you've done. And what we are hearing here is that if you don't forgive your brother and your sister and your neighbor for what they have done against you, the natural consequences of your sin, God's going to just leave you to it. In other words, there's some pain and heartache on the way. But as we forgive them, it's almost like God steps into our brokenness. And his grace covers a lot of that. And he, he walks through it with us. And there's an ease and a grace as we go through our everyday life. Is that helpful? Does it make you want to just forgive everyone? While I was preparing this, I stood up where I was. I said, God, I forgive everyone. Everyone. Even the people I've forgotten. And it finishes and lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. Also, the wording of this is a little bit weird because it kind of implies that God would lead you into temptation. But James 1.13, I have the reference there. You can go and look at it. It says, when you're tempted, never say that God has tempted me because God cannot be tempted, nor will he ever tempt anyone. So it's not saying that God could possibly lead you into temptation, but what it is saying is that there is temptation out there. And what God can do is that he can lead you away from it. In other words, there's, there's some... I'm trying to think of temptations that won't be too insulting to all of you, but, you know, they all are, they all are pretty bad. But, you know, there is, uh, you're on a diet and there is a giant milkshake at your friend's house and God just takes you to the other friend. I don't know. 
You can replace the, the milkshake with anything you want. All your personal temptations. God can lead you in the other direction. He can keep you safe. I have a, I have a friend and her, her dad battled with alcohol. And she prayed this. She said, Lord, lead him away from temptation. He came home the next day and he said, oh my gosh, I don't know why, but every time I drink whiskey, I just feel sick. She just smiled, smiled and waved. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's, there's a way in which God can step into your weakness and help you. That's basically what he does. He just, you know, he's not judging you. He's not harsh and critical. He just steps in and he says, you know, it's okay. I know you're weak. Come this way. This is a better path for you. Don't go there. Don't stop off there. Don't speak to that person. Come here. Don't watch that program. Just come here. Just follow me and I will keep you on a path that will keep you safe. Deliver us from the evil one. When I pray this for my family and friends and my church, I, I pray this often for the people I know. I pray it like this. Lord, lead them out of temptation into righteousness. And Lord, surround them with the fire of your presence. So if the devil even comes one foot closer, he'll be so singed that he'll be running so fast in the other direction. That is what I pray. And sometimes a lot more angry and violent than that. So, in conclusion, prayer allows us to see God's plan and pray God's plan. God responds with the power to get things done. Prayer lifts us up to his perspective, allows us to see what he is doing, allows us to partner with his plan and become that electric chainsaw in his hand to get things done. Amen. What I would love to do, actually, is pray for you. I am just going to pray the Lord's Prayer over you. How would you like that? Can we all stand? As I'm praying, I'm going to ask you to do this. I want you to picture your family, your friends, your school, your colleagues, this country, and I want you to put it there. And so as this prayer is coming for you, I want you to extend it over every person that you are in relationship with, every environment that you touch. Father, we come to you, our Father in heaven. Lord, thank you that you love us. You're our daddy, God. We come and we sit on your lap, in your arms, and we hear your voice loving us. Lord, thank you that every person here is loved, is accepted, is valuable. Lord, we receive that, Daddy God. Lord, we lift up your name. We declare you as good and holy and righteous and true. Lord God, we exalt you in every way. We lift you up, Lord God. We say, Lord God, that your, your kingdom, in fact, is coming and your will is being done today in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would invade our homes. You would invade our families. You would invade our schools. You would invade our government. You would invade our streets. Holy Spirit, we ask 
that righteousness, truth, peace, life would come into those areas. Lord God, we speak to sickness and disease in those areas. We command you to go in Jesus' name. Lord God, we speak to brokenness and we say you must go in Jesus' name. We speak to sin, calamity, heartache, and we say you must go. Lord God, we declare into these areas your kingdom, your righteousness, your wholeness, your truth, your will. Lord God, where people are walking on a path that is leading to destruction, Lord God, change the way they walk. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Touch our minds. Show us the truth, Lord God. Father God, I pray every day, every day, you would give us what we need to make the right choices. Holy Spirit, come to every person here, every person watching this video, Lord God, would you come to us? Lord God, would you provide our physical needs? Would you provide above and beyond those so that we can be generous on every occasion? Holy Spirit, take away the fear of lack in our hearts, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to become conduits of your blessing into the world. Lord God, I'm praying and I'm asking, Lord God, that you provide grace every day. Lord God, we would feel your presence guiding us, leading us, filling us. Lord God, that every decision we are called on to make, we would clearly discern right from wrong. We would clearly see your footsteps and walk in them. Holy Spirit, lead us. Grace us. Holy Spirit, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lord, we stand here. And if anyone has wronged us, Lord God, right now, we forgive them. Holy Spirit, we hand them to you. Lord God, we, we take away our right to judge them, Lord God, and we give that right to you. Lord God, you take care of them. You deal with it. We trust that, Father God, where they have wronged us, you will make it right. You will speak to them what they need to know. You will restore that relationship. Lord God, we trust you to do what we can't do. We trust you to do what we can't do. And Lord God, every place we have wronged you, where we have turned our back on you, where we have ignored your voice, where we have done what we know is wrong, and sometimes we didn't even know it, Lord. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you come into the consequences of our mistakes and our willful wrongdoing? And would you, would you wipe them away, Lord God? And would you create a clear path before us that we might walk in righteousness and wholeness? Lord God, I pray that you would lead us away from temptation and into righteousness. Guard and protect us. Lord God, I ask for a hedge of fire of your presence around us, Lord God. Father God, would you sort through our thoughts? And Lord God, would you remove the ones that don't come from you? Holy Spirit, would you guard and protect us from the evil one, Lord God? Father God, would you push him back on every side, Lord God? Would you break every curse? Would you break every demonic attack? Holy Spirit, would you cause righteousness and truth to rise up in us? Would you push back against evil, Lord God. Father God, I pray that when we walk into rooms, demons would flee. Lord God, I pray that wherever we go, Lord God, light and truth would invade those environments. People would be convicted of sin. People would fall down on their faces and proclaim you as Lord. Holy Spirit, come and be with us. Make us bold. Make us chainsaws in the hand of the living God, Lord God. Come and do things through us, Lord God. Make the world different because you live in us, 
Lord Jesus. Give us words, give us actions, give us truth. Holy Spirit, we want this world different. We want it to matter that we chose you. Lord God, come and invade miracles, signs and wonders to follow us wherever we go. Lord God, our friends and families coming back home to your kingdom. Lord God, nothing but righteousness. Come Lord, come Lord, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, grace us to pray. Grace us to pray the way you want us to pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Great people, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Great people, we do have baptisms. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So please go and enjoy those baptisms. We, the last baptisms of the year, they'll be out on the lawn. Please hang out and get to know some great people. If you need prayer for anything, specifically, I felt some people have had a cancer diagnosis in your family. I feel like God wants to just uh, deal with that. Um, and also, if you are battling with any kind of depression or anxiety, we would also love to pray for you. So if we could have the ministry team to come forward for that, I'd be very grateful. And otherwise, have a beautiful day. Go and... Go and be a chainsaw in God's hand. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. God bless you.